Well, we're going to talk here. I'm going to start in Romans chapter 12. And I've been kind of stuck on these verses for the last 20 years, I think. But the Lord told me that verses 1 and 2 of chapter 12 kind of hinges the battle of Christians. And the way you interpret these verses will tell you which side you're on or where you are in the way you understand your walk with God. These verses are preached all around the world with different understanding. Verse 1, Romans chapter 12. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. The way that you understand this will determine the way that you live for God. I've heard this preached multiple ways, and in my past I've preached it different ways as well. And then one day I was sitting in a service, and there was a young lady giving a testimony that we had worked with who was a ex-druggie. When I say ex-druggie, meaning last week she was on drugs, this week she's not. And we had worked with her for years, or she'd have she'd go through cycles of good months, bad years, good weeks, bad months, and just come and go, come and go, do good, trying to do good. But then once she got everything set up, she'd fall back again. And I remember sitting in the service, and and she was all dressed up, looked pretty, and she was given a testimony of thanking God for what God was doing in her life. It was a good month for her. And we were excited. It was wonderful. It was pure-hearted. And the Lord told me, while she was there giving her testimony, he spoke to me and said, I did not tell the church to conform into Christianity. I told them to transform. And in that moment, he gave me a vision. Now, visions are important, but they're not as important as a word. In other words, a, a vision can come where you can learn from it, but unless the word lines up with the vision, it's just a vision. So you can't really teach visions without using the word to explain what it means, otherwise it's just opinion. Well, in this vision, I saw two bodies. I saw her standing there, and then I saw another body beside it. And in the vision, when he said, I didn't tell the church to conform into Christianity. I told them to transform. I saw her jump from one body to the other. And in that moment, I understood by imagery what transformation is. And it's taken about 15 years for me to get the word to catch up to that image. The word in me, anyway. So I've heard this preached many different ways, that you need to transform I've heard a priest, well, you're already transformed. Just walk in it. Just do it. You have it all now. Just go do it. And because there's so many opinions, there's a pile of trash on top of the truth. It's hard to find the truth when you have so many different opinions about what this means. But this 
verse 2 here really is the hinge, I believe, of Christianity. I told you before I saw the Lord told me there was two different trees of Christianity. Both trees get you to heaven, but one was the walk of the Spirit, which is fully from the Spirit. The other was serving God in your natural man, trying to please God. And this is the importance of this verse. And we're going to talk about this a little bit today. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now, the renewing of your mind is another sentence that is the way you interpret that. Much of my past, the renewing of the mind was simply, you need to restructure the way you think to think like the Word of God. You just need to accept the Word of God and believe it. So we buy bumper stickers, God's Word said it, I believe it, it's done. But then we don't see the fruit of that. And this is part of this, the situation we're in as a church, as a body, is are we going to allow another generation to go by? Because what happens is one generation stands on the Word, believing for God's truth to come forward, and they pass it on to the next generation, and they think, well, we almost got there, but we didn't get there. So let me give it to my children. And that next generation stands and stands on the Word of God, believing for things, and their life passes. And they pass it on to the next generation, all thinking they're almost there, but they never get there. And we have evidence of 2,000 years of the church not walking like Jesus walked. But allowing themselves to accept a lesser walk and being okay with it. I just did a video for YouTube. It won't come out till November, I think. But I'm going to call it, It's Better to Fly One Day Than Never to Fly at All. That if it takes my whole life to see this, the truth of the word come forward, even if it's just for one day, that it's better for me to do that than to accept a lesser standard and live my whole life not reaching that place. And that's kind of where you have to accept. Are you going to accept that we can walk like Jesus walked? Or let me rephrase that. Are you going to accept that you can walk like Jesus walked? Or are you going to accept that, well, you know, it's good enough. I got my family together. I got my finances together. You know, thank God you live in a country that's prosperous. You don't live in a country that's not. <laughs> you know, there's some countries where you make uh, what you're going to spend on coffee today, what you spent on your coffee this morning, is a week's worth of income for working 10 hours a day in the field. And you bought a coffee for it. And so, thank God we're in a prosperous nation. Are you going to be okay and I'm preaching to myself, are you going to be okay, okay with making it through life and being comfortable, being okay, nothing too bad happening, but, but never walking like Jesus walked? And that's kind of the, the path we're on, where we have lots of preachers preaching the same message about revival, but have different opinions on how to get there. So all that I've been preaching, what I'm preaching right now is all around this first chapter too. The renewing of the mind. Does that mean that I just take the moment I'm saved and now I just believe the word of God? I make myself believe the word. I'm, I'm accepting the word of God is true. 
And then when you've gone down that road, I accept that that's truth. You go up and you pray for someone. Word of God it says is true. Now, as a teacher, the best thing I can do as a teacher is to teach others how the Word of God is true and that you can stand in faith and how to stand in faith for your miracle, for, for your family, for your finances, that you don't need a preacher to give it to you. You have it already from God. As a teacher, that's the most important message to teach you how you can walk in the things of God. As a minister, though, when the moment I am a minister representing Jesus, offering to pray for you, to prophesy, to minister to you, we fall short if we cannot let you come and be completely healed no matter what your situation is. And so we have lowered the standard to where we see people's knees get healed, their backs get healed, a few deaf ears get healed. And we leave a wake of broken people behind who we prayed for that didn't get healed. That means that you are, I'm not pointing fingers because I'm not to point one at myself. That means that you are not complete in your transformation. If someone came to you representing Jesus and they didn't meet Jesus, they met you. If someone came to meet Jesus and you represent him and they didn't meet Jesus. So what the church has done in this verse is saying that we are to accept that we are children of God and walk it out. And they make transformation and acceptance of the promises of God. So we taught people how to confess the promises, believe for the promises but also settle for the promises not coming to pass. And if you don't understand the word transformation, you'll consider that your walk is about believing something to come to pass. The reason you don't have it is because you don't believe it. That is true, technically. I'm going to go to Second Corinthians. Chapter 3. And all this is hinging on, on verses, verse 2 of Romans 12. Transformation. See, when you think that the renewing of my mind means that I need to read the word and my mind will begin to accept the word as truth. From a distance, that is a fair statement. I, I read the word. I prayed in tongues, and now I changed the way I'm thinking. From a distance, that's okay. But it's not, it's not complete. If you don't go to the completion of it, you don't see the miracle of what just happened. The miracle of what happened in transformation, renewing of your mind, is that you now are believing something of God to be true above all other situations. The carnal man, the carnal mind does not have that ability. It does not have the ability to accept the word of God as true. Let's read here in Second Corinthians chapter 3, verse 4 and 5. And we have such trust through Christ towards God. Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think of anything as being from ourselves, but our sufficiency is from God. 
What I believe Paul is saying here is, I'm not introducing you to Paul. All that I can give you is from God. I hear people, many preachers say, well, you just need to accept who you are in Christ and walk it out. And it's almost like a role playing where today I'm, I'm Alan, the, the carnal man, eating four cheeseburgers and stuffing the carcasses underneath my driver's seat so there's no evidence. But tomorrow I'm Alan, the man of God, fasting. Here he says our sufficiency is not from God. And what I believe this means is that I'm not introducing you to Alan. I'm introducing you to Jesus. But I can't just, I'm not pointing to Jesus. Hey, let me tell you about Jesus. Jesus loves you. But there's a transformation available for you where the love of God becomes who you are. And that love of God is not in this natural world. From Adam till Jesus, there was no man on this earth that had light or love or compassion. And what the modern church has done is, it says, the moment you're saved, I want you to take your love, and I want you to quit focusing it on you, and I want you to focus it on the neighbors and on the the poor and the broken. And so we, out of our natural love that we came into Christ with, are trying to win the world with our love, with our compassion. I remember preaching about the love of God. I have the love of God. I'm, we're to love each other. My love was good until it came to an end. <laughs> Your love will come to an end. The love of Alan, I remember the day it was. there was a, a deal with a car rental where Someone crashed into our vehicle, and so we rent the, the insurance rented a car for 30 days. And they required a credit card for proof. And the guy promised me there would be no charge on the credit card. Well, after the car rental was all done, I mean, I made him prom. Now, you promised me I'm going to give you my credit card, but this is between you and the insurance. I'll make sure this vehicle is back on the daytime and it'll be full and cleaned. There'll be no charge on my credit card, correct? Yes. Are you sure? You promised me. Yes, sir. Okay. Deal. Here's my credit card. Took the car, turned it back in, and then a couple weeks later, a bill shows up for $300. Well, let me tell you, $300 at that time, it, even today it's a good amount, but that time was like, oh, this is going to make it hard to pay the mortgage. Well, I'm, my love came to an end for 300 bucks. Three thirty silver coins, my love came to an end. I marched down to that office in front of other customers. I chewed the guy out. I called him a liar, a thief. You're going to get that back. You promised me. You promised me, and look what you did. You caused me to get a bill for $300. You're going to get this back, you liar. I look back and think, yep, here's Jesus. (laughs) My love came to an end for, uh, I could say, 30 silver coins, but 300 bucks. That's the end of my limit. So now you know I can lend you 299 and you'll still get the love. But 300 bucks and you'll feel the wrath of God. I think Pastor Dave said at one time, two uh, deacons fighting in church over a seat. 
Well, that's my seat. No, that's my seat. Well, I rebuke you in Jesus' name. Well, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus of Nazareth. That we've got a whole generations of church folk all going to heaven, all speaking the word, but never Jesus showing up. Where is he? The world doesn't believe in Christianity anymore. You can threaten them with hell. It won't bother them. You, if you keep that up, you keep living like that, you're going to go to hell. Do you understand that? Hell burns hot. Yeah, that's where my friends will be. We'll be partying together. The world's not impressed with words anymore. They're not afraid of religion like they used to be. Where is Jesus? See, the, the church has, because of not accepting that verse of transformation, has accepted that it's not their responsibility to show you Jesus in me. I'll show it to you in our pastor. I'll show it to you in, our, in the Word. I'll tell you about Jesus. But when Paul says our sufficiency is not of ourselves, he's saying, I'm bringing you Jesus through me. I've heard it preached many times, so we just need to have less of us and more of God. I just need to get out of the way, and then Jesus will come through. And that's kind of a convenient way of running away from transformation. Oh, it's not my job to transform into love. It's my job to get out of the way so you can meet Jesus. But what Paul is saying here is the cost of transformation means that you've got to go get it from him. From God. See, the renewing of the mind from a distance looks like you've changed the way you think. I spent time in the Word, I spent time praying, now I think differently. I've changed the way I think. But God's not asking you to change the way you think. That's like with that little girl. The ex-druggie for that week was given a testimony and was of a pure heart. But we've been through the mountain with her, around the mountain a dozen times, where she'd have a good month and we'd get her out of trouble, and then she'd, she'd go back for a year. And then she'd come back and she'd have a good month and we'd get her out of trouble. Then she'd go back for another year. And what he was showing me was the church has been teaching people how to, when I talk about the church, I'm not talking about us. I'm just talking about the church in whole, the modern church. Has taught people how to conform their life, to look better, to act better, to focus their life on serving God. But is not focused on transforming. See, when God stands there, he looks up here, he looks at all of us. And he says, you have an important place in the, in the body of Christ. You have an important place. You have an important call. You have an important call. So important that he doesn't want the church work to get in the way of your transformation. Because it's much easier to go out and win the world than it is to spend time in transformation. It's much easier to preach about Jesus than it is to spend time in transformation. I'm going over to John chapter 14. Uh, Verse 25, Jesus says to his disciples, These things I have spoken to you while being present with you. 
But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all the things that I've said to you. So Jesus tells his disciples. Disciples were men of God, but they weren't born again. They weren't born again because Jesus had not been glorified yet. And he tells them that I spoke these things to you. In other verses he says, you don't understand it yet because you're not able to. But he says the Holy Spirit will bring to remembrance the things that I've shared with you. Why could the disciples not comprehend? And and I'm getting down into the the details. I always say like when you, you look at a car. I was never, I wasn't raised by a mechanic, so I, I didn't understand how a car worked. I just figured it was magic, you know, putting gas and it just runs along. And then one day when I was in, a, we had a class at school. It was a mechanical class. And they made all the boys go to the mechanical class and the girls go to cooking class. Tells you how far back this was. And our job was to take a tire off of a car and to take the brakes apart and then put it all back together. And as I took it apart, I was shocked that how many pieces were involved with, these were drum brakes, how many pieces, there were springs, I mean wires and springs and bolts, and, and we had to put it on a piece of paper, you had to put it really careful on the white paper, put it down carefully so you knew how to put it back together. And there were so many parts And now from a distance, I can say, look at that tire. And I could describe the tire as being, it's got rubber, it's got a rim, and it's got brakes. And how many know that's an accurate statement? But when you get closer, you find out that the tire isn't just three parts. There's so much more to it. And so if you never get what I'm saying, you're still going to go to heaven. But I'm afraid if you never get what I'm saying, you may accept a lower-class gospel for your own life. That transformation is so much more than just changing the way you think. For you to get, get to where you changed how you thought was an incredible miracle that happened in your life. So when you think, if you believe, that renewing of the mind is just, I've changed the way I thought. God's Word says it, I believe it, therefore it is. The problem with believing, if you've been around old-school faith teachers... They didn't cut you any slack. If you get around a Norval Hayes or a Kenneth Hagen or a Lester Sumrall, I mean, you leave the service, all your skin's been melted off of you. Every excuse is gone. Down to a bare nub, you understand. If you don't have it, it's because you didn't believe it. It wasn't God's fault. God's not holding back his healing power from us. He's not holding back his provision from us. He's not holding back his power from us. The problem is we have to believe it. How many have heard some sermons and and you got it down that it's not God's fault? See, the fact is, if you believe it, you have it. The word says, if you speak with your mouth and believe in your heart, you'll have what you say. So the only reason you don't have what you've been saying is because you don't believe it yet. The fruit that you believe it is you have it. I told you stories of our Bible college students. We had ushers on standby for our first year students who came to a faith school. 
and we're all excited about learning faith and and changing the world. And the first couple of weeks, we had ushers on the front row on standby in the running motion because without fail, you'd have a Bible college student, sometimes more than one, when they get to school, get excited about the promises of faith. God's your healer. You're already healed. Just receive it. And we'd watch him go up. And as soon as some Bible college student. Now, Bible college student means you're usually young. You're usually broke. And you're, you're believing God for everything. Because you've got to pay for your rent and your school. And you've got to spend four hours a day, five days a week in class. So you're working side jobs, part-time jobs. You're not really established in life mostly. Unless you got rich parents, you are believing for every penny, making it work to go to school. God bless you. And we'd have a number of students every year get excited, preached excited about believing God for your miracle. And never failed, we'd have a, one or two students take their glasses off and hold their glasses in the air. And we knew, the ushers knew what to do. If you see a Bible college student, hold their glasses in the air. I want you to run and tackle that student. Save those glasses. Because what they were going to do in the next moment was throw their glasses on the ground, stomp on them and break them to prove to God we have faith. I'm believing God so much that I'm taking my glasses. I want to, and God, I believe it. I'm going to prove to you because if you believe it, you're going to receive it and you can get priests excited about making stands and doing things that you're not ready for yet. And we had Bible call students drive around without glasses. And, and we had one drive out of the back parking lot and straight into the building across the street. <laughs> and they would try, I mean, they would sincerely try to outlast their unbelief and go months sometimes just <laughs> greeting the wrong person, not able to take notes because they couldn't see the board. And eventually... Every, every one of them eventually broke down and found a way to buy new glasses. Sometimes we'd do it for them because we couldn't handle it anymore. All in the attempt to prove that they had faith. But the truth is, if you believe it, you have it. The problem isn't you being bold. The problem is you don't believe. Well, if you're not careful, you'll spend your life believing God out of your natural man. You won't be any different than an Old Testament saint trying to believe God for things to come to pass. At least you're standing on the truth and you're not accepting second class. Let's do a poll. If Jesus said it, how many believe it was the Word of God? So there was no misunderstanding or maybe no correction. You know what I told you last week, boys, about this? I, I was off a little bit. Let me correct it. How many know if Jesus said it? You can count. That's the word of God. So these disciples were with Jesus. Jesus himself spent three years teaching them the word of God. From God himself. And yet he says, the Holy Spirit is going to bring to remembrance that which I taught you. In other words, what he taught them, even though it was Jesus God teaching them, they were not able to understand it 
until something changed. Let me say that again. I hope I'm making sense. They were with Jesus, and Jesus himself taught them for three years the truths about God. But he's clear that they cannot comprehend the truth of God in their state because they were not born again yet. And that's why he says the Holy Spirit will have to bring to remembrance because he's going to reteach what I taught you when you're ready to understand it and comprehend it. Say, good preaching if you're, if you're still with me. Okay. So something changed in these men when they got born again to where now they can comprehend the truth of the Word of God. How many can tell me what changed? They received a new nature. Amen. Now they have a new nature. The new nature is a nature. Let's go to Romans. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. Romans. Let's see if I can find it. Chapter 2. Oh, we'll start here in verse 25. Now, you have to forgive me if I'm getting into the details of how the brakes work and into the springs and all that, but I believe in my heart it's so important for the church to understand this so they'll stop accepting second best as being good enough. Verse 25, For circumcision is indeed profitable if you keep the law. But if you're a breaker of the law, your circumcision has become uncircumcision. Therefore, if an uncircumcised man keeps the righteous requirement of the law, will not his uncircumcision be counted as circumcision? And will not the physical uncircumcised, if he fulfills the law, judge you, who even with your written code and circumcision are a transgressor of the law? For he is not a Jew. This is scary truth right here. For he is not a Jew who is one outwardly, not in circumcision, which is outward in the flesh. And when he says Jew here, he's meaning the word child of God. You're not a child of God if you're a Jewish man and circumcised in the flesh. That is not your pathway to God. But he is a Jew who is one inwardly and circumcised. Circumcision is that of the heart in the spirit not in the letter whose praise is not from men but from God. So here he gives you a glimpse of the new nature, that the point of circumcision was to legally bring a way for God to circumcise you spiritually, that when you were born again, in your heart, in your heart, now when I say heart, Again, if a Christian man needs a heart transplant and he gets a heart transplant from an unsaved person, is he no longer born again? So the circumcision in the heart is telling you where your salvation came from. That 
even a Gentile who's not a Jew, never been raised a Jew, never followed tradition, never followed the regulation of the law, when he was born again, it was the circumcision of the heart. So that tells you the size of your new nature. Your new nature is the smallest part of you. And it can be confusing because many people, I used to think I was maturing my new nature. Then when I prayed, my new nature was getting bigger and stronger. But no, your new nature is just the smallest part of you. You mature unto your new nature. You don't mature your new nature. So I just want you to see here that the circumcision in the heart is the, where God took your old nature and snipped it off of you and gave you a new nature. And now you are a child of God with a nature of God. Say amen if I'm still making sense. But what didn't happen was your outward man did not change. Your outward brain, your outward emotions were not rescued in salvation. What was rescued was you and your inner man was brought to life by your new nature. Again, we're focusing on transformation, but especially the part of renewing your mind. Did the disciples have new, fancy new gray matter, natural brain, when they got born again? The doctor who called the, the wife of the elderly man that passed and said, I'm so sorry, I got some really bad news. And she said, well, what's worse than him dying? Well, I know you're a Christian woman and you believe he's in heaven, but I just did his autopsy. And I'm very sad to tell you, it breaks my heart to inform you that he's in heaven, but he's got no brain because his brain's here. He left his brain here. His brain is it's right here. He must be the brainless guy in heaven walking around with no thoughts. And his hands, his hands are here. I don't know how he's going to worship God with holy hands in heaven when he left his hands here. See, when you got born again, what wasn't rescued was your natural mind, your natural way of thinking. Do you know there's preaching that goes forward all around the country this morning to the natural thinking, natural emotions, natural intellect of people? And they're still going to go to heaven, but they'll live their whole life in carnality, trying to please God, trying to believe God, and they're no better. Their believing is no better than an Old Testament saint trying to walk with God. So how does it happen that I've changed the way I think? Let's go over to Colossians. I'm not making you bounce around, but you'll have to put up with me today. Colossians. Chapter 3, uh, we'll start in, for time's sake, we'll just start in verse, verse 9. Do not lie to one another, since you have put off the old man with his deeds, and have put on, now here's the words, the new man. Say new man. Which is, now the new man, which is, What? Renew, there's that word, renew. That word renew means rebuilt, like you're reconstructing something. 
which is renewed in knowledge according to the what? The image of him which created him. Who created him? So the renewing is for the new man, not the old man. Here's, here's what I'm trying to get across. I'm, again, I'm, if all you ever look back and see there's a tire, it's got a rubber, it's got a rim, it's got brakes, you're good. But I'm trying to take you closer to look to see the miracle of what happened when you actually changed the way you think, changed the way you acted, changed the way you believe. Conforming into Christianity would be something like this. Welcome to church. I'm glad that you're born again. Now we're having our first class today. Our first class of being born again is now I'm going to ask you to live holy. I'm going to ask you to quit drinking, quit smoking, get rid of the, the whiskey, get rid of the, the, the books you're not supposed to be looking at, throw them out, get rid of the wrong friends. I'm going to ask you to start loving your neighbor as yourself. I'm going to ask you to walk in peace and be good. And so what happens is the church as a whole has learned how to act like Christ. But they're acting like Christ because they have to choose. Do you have to choose to be holy? That means that something is still in you that doesn't want to be holy. Otherwise, it's not a choice. There's no voice saying, do this sin. Do this sin. And oh, I'm resisting. Do you have to choose to be in love? Oh, I'm going to love, love you. I'm choosing to love you. I could knock your head off, but I'm, I'm choosing to love you. But see, that's you conform, acting like Jesus. This is what, what would Jesus do? The fact that you have to ask what Jesus would do means that you are not walking like Jesus. You're acting like Jesus. There's a transformation available for us which is so much deeper and so, so much more incredible and powerful. And I believe it's the only way for us as a whole to walk in revival. And have put on the new man. So the new man, which is renewed in the knowledge according to the image of him who created him. So the renewing is not fixing the natural man. The renewing is filling your spiritual man with the truth of God. That's why the disciples could not comprehend the truth that Jesus spoke until the Holy Spirit was able to reteach it to them. Because they had to get a place to hold the truth that came from God. Do you know there's knowledge of this world that will make you successful? There's knowledge from God that this world has no, no access to. There's a place in you that will hold the knowledge of this world. But when you became born again, there was now a place in you that the very knowledge of God could be held. And it's not your new nature. Your new nature is not the place where truth is held. 
The new nature is the smallest part of you. It's the little part of you that got switched. That new nature, though, brought to life your inner man. And your inner man, now that it's alive, has a mind of the Spirit that is lit up by the nature of God, can now comprehend the very truths of God. You say, well, Brother Al, you're not telling me anything I, I haven't heard. Well, maybe I'm not speaking to you then. But what has been coming forward in my own heart so strong has been how there's no other place to get the love of God but from God. How am I going to give you the love of God if I don't get it from God first? Now, I can tell you about the love of God. Hey, God loves you, and I can point you to the love of God. But for me to follow this verse where Paul says, my sufficiency is not on my own, is meaning that what I give you is from God. Do you know there's truth that only comes from God, that originates in the mind of God, that now he can share with you because now you're born again? But there has to be a place for that truth to be healed. Where is that truth held? When the Holy Spirit spends hours with you speaking the mysteries of God, where is that truth held? What part of you? See, I know I'm getting down to the nitty-gritty here, but is it your natural mind finally saying, okay, I accept that as truth? See, that's conforming. Mind, you're going to accept the Word of God. So we stand there with our natural mind saying, I believe the word, I believe the word, I believe the word. But what happens when a miracle comes forward is you actually believed it. Because if you believe it, here's what I tell the students about, about their glasses. I say, listen, I'm not going to tell you not. If you feel God tells you to do something, go for it. But my advice to you, and this is what I tell people with medicine, with glasses, with credit cards, with loans, Anything you use to supplement. Because in our Christianese, sometimes we, we pretend we're not something, you know. God blessed me with a new car and a $350 a month payment. And we give God credit for stuff, but really it's ourselves maneuvering to make it work and giving God credit for it. If you believe it, you have it. So I tell students, say, look, keep your glasses on. Don't throw them away because they're helping you to operate in this world. Praise God you can come and you can read the Bible because you have glasses. Praise God you can show up because the doctor has you on medicine. I've seen preachers tell people, you're just not healed because you don't believe. If you believed, you throw your medicine away. God does not heal if you take your medicine. So I watch people throw their medicine away and then die Three days later. It's okay, though. The preacher was out of town by the time that happened. Seen it happen. I tell him, you found God where you're at. So confess the word. Stand on the word. And when you're walking down the street and everything goes blurry, then you take your glasses off because you've just been healed. When the medicine starts to cause you trouble because you don't need it anymore, then you can take it off, unless you feel God told you. But I would never be bold enough to tell you God's telling you to get rid of your medicine. 
believing has to come from the Spirit. When I say Spirit, I mean your inner man. Because your inner man now is born again. God's the father of your spirit. He's the father of your inner man. But you're also wearing an outward man. How many notice you're wearing an outward man? Well, you cannot just believe away the outward man. This is why I think it's funny when people identify with their spirit. They don't spend any time praying or seeking God. They just say, I identify with my spiritual man. And they go out and we're going to pray for the sick because I identify with my inner man, my spirit. I don't identify with my flesh. That's okay, but that's kind of role playing because tomorrow you may be eating four hamburgers saying, well, today I identify with my outward man. Tomorrow I identify with my inner man. See, your inner man, if you don't grow it up in the knowledge of God, it stays like a baby in knowledge. So when someone says, I, I identify with my inner man, their inner man may be like a little two-year-old. Well, how about instead of just choosing to identify with that and walk with it, grow that sucker up? Then you will walk with it. This is the miracle of renewing of the mind. From a distance, it looks like you just changed the way, the way you think. I changed the way I think about life, the way I think about God. I am being transformed. But actually what happened was much more detailed and much more powerful than you just choosing to think differently. What he's saying is you don't need to change the way you think. Transformation is not changing the way you think. Transformation is changing the place that you think from. That you're no longer thinking from your natural man. You're thinking from your spiritual man. You build up and renew the knowledge of the inner man. What happened to you when you were born again? That new nature brought to life your inner man. Now your inner man can hold the truth of God, but it's empty because you're just born again. Well, where do I get those truths? There's no shortcuts. You're going to get them from the Holy Ghost teaching you the very truth of God. See, when you understand that you're not going to get it anyplace else but from the Holy Spirit. Now, you may get a little glimpse here from a preacher who got it from God. Most of the preaching today or much of the preaching around the world today is more motivational speaking and and encouraging the outward man how to serve God, how to follow God. But when you preach to the inner man, the outward man complains. So what happened when you prayed in tongues? The Holy Spirit sat down with your inner man, leaving your outward man unfruitful. How many spent hours prayed in tongues and nothing happened? I remember the first time I said, I'm going to pray in tongues 10 hours. I did it. And I I drive it home. I thought, you know, this better work. I just spent 10 hours going, this better do something. That's kind of silly. Well, what happened in those 10 hours of me sitting with the Holy Ghost was he sat down with my inner man and taught my inner man who can now understand the truth of God because it's born of God. My inner man learned the truth of God. And from my inner man, I took from my inner man a truth from God. I went over to the outward man, which had a truth that sounded like God, but it wasn't full. And from the knowledge in my inner man, I was able to mortify the thought of my outward man. 
So yeah, from a distance, it looks like I changed the way I think. But really what happens is I changed where I think from. So a revelation, when all of a sudden you know something, that didn't just come from heaven, blink. It came from God's mind to your mind. A truth. Can you imagine a truth? One little, if all you ever get in life is one little nugget from the mind of God, you got more than most of the Einsteins in the world ever had. Paul says here, our sufficiency, I'm back in Second Corinthians, our sufficiency is not from God or from us. Is from God. Here she's saying, I'm not trying to introduce you to Paul's thinking, to Paul's love, to Paul's wisdom. I want to introduce you to the love of God. See, the love of Alan could say to my wife, I love you. I'll never commit adultery on you. I'm always yours. I love you. But the love of Jesus, once it gets in me, as it comes forward, it says, I cannot even look on another woman. See, the love of Alan says, I'm going to follow the rules, and I won't commit adultery. But I'm allowed to look, but I won't act on it. But the love of God in me is so much higher that when it comes forward, I'm not even, in, I'm not even able to look at another woman. The, the love of Alan could say, listen, I'm going to knock you in the head. I want to punch you out. You make me so mad. You deserve a beating. And maybe you rob me and you deserve a beating. But I'm choosing just to tell you you're an idiot instead because I'm, that's the love of Alan. Instead of me unleashing my fists and my boots on you, I'm just going to call you a stupid name. But the love of God gets in you. You can't even call someone a fool because that's the love of God. The love that you have, God's not wanting the church to take the love that they came in with and focus on winning the world. He wants us to go get the love from Him and show the love of God to the world. He wants us to go get the wisdom from Him and let that wisdom come and rule in our life. So even though you you may say, oh, I just prayed in tongues now, I, I changed the way I'm thinking. A miracle happened, much more than you just changing the way. A lot of times we use natural means trying to, you know, like a habit. A habit is built in 30 days. Do something for 30 days straight and you'll have a new habit. Well, the world can do that. What he's talking about here is you can't do this without Jesus. Transformation is going from one species to another. It's not fixing up the natural man and making it dress like a Christian, act like a Christian. When someone tells you, you just need to believe it and walk it out, they have, they're cutting you short on all that God has for you. I'm going to jump over here. I'm preaching 10 sermons in one today. Chapter, where am I? Chapter 3 of Second Corinthians, verse 18. But we all with unveiled face, Beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image. Where is that image? That image is your new nature. And what did we read in Colossians? That we're to renew that the image of God, through the image of God, we bring forward to our new man 
And we renew that inner man, the new man in knowledge. So the renewing is not fixing your natural mind. Well, your job with your natural mind is to mortify it, to kill it. But you can't kill it unless you build up the inner man's mind with the truth that comes from God. Chapter 4, verse 1. Therefore, we have this ministry. What is the ministry? What he talked about, being transformed to the same image. Therefore, we have this ministry, which we have received mercy. We do not lose heart. Come with me real quick. Verse 5, chapter 4. We do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord and ourselves, your bondservant, for Jesus' sake. So we don't preach about my opinion, my thoughts, the natural Alan. All I am to be to you is a bond servant. I'm to be the waiter that brought you the food. I'm to be the waiter, just the waiter. You can say thank you, you can give me a tip, good job. But you are now in love with Jesus. You're not in love with Alan. You're impressed with Jesus. You're not impressed with Alan. For it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Now verse 7. But we have this treasure in earthen vessel, that the excellence of the power of God may be of God and not of us. But we have this treasure. Now, this is what kind of blew my mind. I, I looked this word up, and what it says is, see, I always thought it was like a gem. I thought this was talking about my new nature. It's not talking about your new nature. It's talking about what your new nature did, was brought to life your inner man. The word for treasure here is means the place in which goods and precious things are collected and laid up, a casket, a treasure chest, uh, in which valuables are kept. So you have now in you, the moment you're saved, you have inside of this earthen vessel a place, a safe, a treasure chest, in which you can hold treasure, Are you still with me? So now, because you're born again, you can hold the treasure of love, of truth that comes from God. Back to Colossians. Chapter 2, verse 1. For I want you to know what a great conflict I have for you and those in Laodicea, and for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, and attain to all riches and fullness, assurance of understanding, to the knowledge of the mystery of God, both of the Father and of Christ, in which are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. See, in God is a treasure chest full of his love, of his wisdom, of his knowledge, In you, the moment you're born again, is a treasure chest that's empty. That is ready to be filled up. But because of the modern church preaching, we've not focused on filling up that treasure chest. We've focused on serving God and pretending to have the fruit of the Spirit. 
I'll give you love. Sure, I'll love you, brother. Yeah, wonderful. Gary preached about this this morning, how there's a transformation. And, 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 and on, I'm going to love you. I'm going to love you with my love. I'm going to give my best for you until I'm not. I think the words was serving yourself while serving God. I'm going to love you. I'm going to focus my love on you. That's what the church teaches people. The modern church teaches people, now that you're born again, go and do. And they end up going and doing out of their natural man, their natural ability, giving God the credit for it. What I'm trying to say to you is we need to become a preacher of the church that says, no, that's not enough. Gary said, you know, it took 20 years before he realized you're not a disciple if you're not fasting. He said, really, that's in old history. When you got saved, that was the after salvation message. The first week, welcome to our church. Now, you're going to fast Wednesday and Friday. Was it Wednesday and Friday? Wednesday and Friday, we fast. Oh, I don't like this church. (laughs) I think Gary's on purpose trying to chase people away. But see, the message to the body should be that valuable. Say, you are important to God. I know you may have come to church and felt like you're not valuable, you're not important, that God doesn't have anything for you. But I'm here to tell you, now that you're a child of God, God has amazing things for you, but it's not going to come from you just doing it. It's going to come from you going to the treasure chest of God and getting His love through worship and bringing that love and put it into your treasure chest, your inner man. Going to God and get the wisdom of God through the Holy Spirit, through praying in tongues. And then bringing that truth into your inner man. And now you have that treasure. So you are not presenting the world with your love, with your peace, with your kindness, with your thoughts, with your wisdom. You're presenting the world with the actual wisdom of God, the actual love of God, so much so that they are not in love with you. Just go ahead and look through social media and find out how many celebrity preachers there are. We're not to be ever be in love that way with a man or a woman of God. They're to be the servants, the slaves. They're to be the ones who brought you the food. You can give them a thank you. I appreciate it. But you're not to be impressed with them. They're to have gone to God and be able to bring God to you. So you're in love with Jesus, not with a man or a woman. Jesus is your source, not some preacher, not some laying on the hands, not some prophet who's going to activate your calling. I'm getting preaching now. There's a treasure chest full of the love of God, of the wisdom of God. And it's in God. It's full. And the moment you're saved, you have a treasure chest that's empty. It's empty, but it has the capacity to be filled with the very wisdom and love of God. Where do I get that? Praise God. Where do I get that? Well, welcome to Christianity 101. Read your Bible. Pray. Worship. Where, where, where has that gone? Remember back in the old days they had Sunday school. Bring your Bible. We're going to pray and worship. We add fasting to that. But where's that old timey preaching even? I just said read your Bible and pray. 
We have a lot of Christians who are going to heaven, running around trying to win the world with their love. And God bless every person that gets saved because of that. But it's still not revival. It's still not believing the truth of God. Because that belief can only come from the inner man believing the truth, knowing the truth. Instead of me telling you about the love of God, pointing you to the love of God, the Word of God asks us to go transform into that very love. You thought it was going to be fun. Yay, we're going to have Joel's army. We all get to go out and pray for the sick and see miracles. Yay. But really that message is saying, you have to grow up just like everyone else. There's no shortcut. Some people, I'll close with this. For some of you, you've not been taught or enticed into the practice of going and doing. In other words, you've been protected in your walk with God. For some of us, probably the majority of us, though, we went down a path where we were taught early on. Let me just ask, how many were taught early on? You need to go out and pray for the sick. You need to go out and witness and share the gospel, handle tracts. How many of you went down that road? Most of us were taught that in the early days. Taught to go and do stuff in the name of God. And we came to an end. We finally got frustrated because we weren't seeing the promises, the fruit come to pass. But some of you have not experienced that. So you may believe or fall for the idea that, well, the only reason... Revival's not broken out. It's because you're not out praying for the sick at your workplace, at the coffee shop. The only reason that's enticing to you is because you've not gone down that road before. I can save you a few years' time and tell you that's a dead end. Or you can go experience yourself and come back and lick your wounds like I had to. When I got frustrated, I got knees healed, I got backs healed, had a deaf ear healed one time, had a few people healed. It was pretty pretty proud of myself and then it got boring after a while because that's the best I can do I walk down I look for the people just a little sick not for the people that are really sick I look for the people who are hobbling not for the people in the wheelchair because too many wheelchairs didn't get out of their wheelchair when I prayed for them because I was taught boldness is why it's not happening the only reason you're not seeing miracles because you're not out being bold and doing it We've got to take the gospel to the world. So I go tell people, Jesus wants to heal you. I've drug a few people out of their wheelchairs. Come on, you've got to walk. That's why you're not, you're not healed, because you don't want it. If you believed it, you would stand up. Come on. I drag him out of the wheelchairs. I had one guy who was missing a leg and had him hopping on one leg for 30 minutes. Believing, hey, all we have to do is believe. Come on, give me those crutches. You don't need these stupid things. I don't care how you get people healed. Let me be clear. I don't care if, if you, when you cast out demons, you do it loudly. You know, some people take pride, but we do it quietly. I don't care as long as it gets done. It's not fair to say, well, we don't yell at devils and leaving the person with the devil. It's not okay to say, well, we pray this way for the sick. Fine. Make them jump upside down. They don't care as long as they get healed. The point is, did they get healed? Not the point is, did you do what you thought you were supposed to do? It's not the lack of boldness 
That's not the reason the gospel's not going forward. It's not even the lack of exposure. Go to every corner in America, you'll find people know about Jesus. Very seldom will you find someone who's not heard about Jesus. It's the lack of transformation. People spending time with God and having God bring them forward in his love, in his truth, in his peace, in his joy. The only place you're going to find it, not from a sermon, not from an activated anointing laying on of hands, not from some prophet telling you, I'm going to activate your calling now. It's going to come from you spending time with God. You spending time. That's how important you are to him, that he wants you to spend time with him, praying in the Holy Ghost, worship in the Word of God. And the miracle that happens is there's a truth that comes forward in your inner man. And from that inner man, you look over to your outward man and say, I don't accept that anymore. And you kill a thought that you had your whole life. Sometimes it's about the way you feel about yourself. Sometimes it's about the way you think about yourself. You pray in tongues, all of a sudden, you don't think about yourself that way. What happened? Well, you didn't change the way you think. You transformed where you think from. And now you're believing the truth of the Word of God because your inner man has grabbed the gem out of the treasure of God's mind and let him put it into your mind. And that will never leave you. That will be with you the rest of eternity. You are born again. Let's keep spending time with him. Let's pray. Father, we really want to walk in all that you have for us. We don't want to settle for anything less. And truthfully, God, if it takes our whole life just to have one day, one moment where the real Jesus comes through us, if that's even just a whole lifetime to have one moment, I'd rather do that and have that one moment where my family, my neighborhood, my city experiences the real Jesus. I'd rather have that than never have it at all. I don't want to settle for second best for religion, for religion that looks like it's God but isn't. Help us, Lord, to know the truth, to find the truth, and to become the truth of God, to become the love of God. Help us to take from you and place it into us, your truth, your love, that we're not sufficient in ourselves, that we don't present ourselves, our wisdom to the world. We present Jesus, Jesus and his love, which should never come to an end. Jesus and his peace will never come to an end. Jesus and his wisdom, his truth will never come to an end. What a miracle that you, you believe that we can transform into that, Father. What a miracle. And we do not take it lightly. We commit our lives. Father, we commit our lives to receiving this from you. We thank you for it. And your grace is on each person here. That when they set their week aside and their time aside, that they'll have the strength to commit to spending that time with you because they're strong in you. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord.